Checkmate. 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 This is the Chestnut Checkers Podcast. Checkmate. Learn a new mindset to create wealth. We need to be more independent thinkers, man. Passive income. Mathematics is precise. A successful business. Chess moves. And money management strategies. This is Chestnut Checkers. So one thing I wanted to say is that uh, for those of you who are building the long-term portfolios, and I, in our mentorship program, we talk about the the concept of most of your money should be in long-term. It's easier to create wealth long-term as opposed to you know quick, quick trades and, and options, right? But it's easier to build wealth over time uh, when, you're, when you're dealing with a diversified portfolio, right? So we use 10, 15% of our, uh, 10, 50% of our net worth in options, you know, because, you know, we're not going to lead it off the plate because options are a great way to make quick money, a lot of money, and people see me trading options all the time and they think I, that's all I do, right? But that's not all I do. Most of my money is in long-term trades, right? Most of my money is in long-term trades. And one way that I, I create wealth, and this is the way that Warren Buffett does it, right? Is through dividend produce, high yield dividend producing stocks. We just had a credit class. We talked about how you can create wealth using that, you know, say borrowing money. And a lot of you guys right now, we're in a, we're in a time of extremely historically low interest rates. Well, how can we make profit off of that? How can we make money with the interest rates being 2%, right? Well, what we can do, and I told people, I said, look, you got a, you got a house, you got assets, you got assets all around, you got 401k plans, assets all around you. We need to figure out how to use those assets. You can't leave an asset sitting around and not making any money off of that. You got to figure out a way to make some money. Well, because we have such low interest rates, we could take a lot of these assets, your 401k, the mortgage on your house, Different ways we can get money, right? And we can put them in high-yield dividends, high-yield stocks, high-yield ETFs, high-yield real estate investment trusts. We can make more money back than we're paying in interest. That's a, a easy, quick, passive income stream, right? For example, AT&T is a company. It's boring. It's probably one of the most boring companies out there. I mean, AT&T, what, what, what the heck? That's one of the oldest companies. But AT&T is projected to generate a 72 Dividend next year, seven point two percent. So every hundred dollars you put in, you get almost you get seven and a seven point two back, right? And it's not as sexy as doing a four hundred percent option, making your money on that. But that's how you build what slow, steady over time. AT and T is one of the highest paying dividends out there. It's one of the most guaranteed dividends out there. It's one of the most unknown that people don't really talk about dividends out there, right? Because we can make some good money, right, using in dividend stocks. We can't put all our money in the options. We can't put all our money in the apples, the Amazons, the, you know, the, uh, the snowflakes, which I still strongly believe in. Snowflake's going to be extremely good. I'm, you know, and I, and I, back when, I, I, when Snowflake was doing the IPO, I predicted by the end of the year it would be 200%. Now, that was based on the $85 valuation, you know, because that's what they started out with is $85. It ended up being uh, hundreds, right? That's what it started out at. But now it ended up being hundreds, which, you know, so it's it's not like I thought it would be, but it is. But 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 I still think it's going to it has the potential to double over the next six months to a year. You know, uh, I was still right, technically, because it, it started at 85. I said it would go up 200. It's at 250 now. So I was still technically right. But but I'm I, but, you know, people weren't able to buy it at that price. So and that IPO actually was a lot higher, you know, but. 
I still believe in that company. I still think two, three times uh, return in the next year. I still strongly believe in that. Now, you know, I, I, like I said, I put it out there because I still believe in it, right? And and one good thing happened today. I did pass 100,000 today in followers, which uh, it took me a while to do it. You know, I appreciate you guys for getting me over that milestone. You know, 100,000 is only like, you know, less than or 2% of accounts ever get to that amount. Less than 1%. I think it's 1.2%. So I appreciate that uh, you guys' support over the last two, three years. And like I said, I started out, man. When I started out, it was like 300 people on here. That's it, right? And I, you know, I didn't really, I use, you know what I used it for? When I first started, my name was Tall Guy Stylish. <laughs> and back then, uh, before pandemic, before this pandemic, man, I dressed a lot better. You can scroll down my uh my profile and you'll see me in suits and nice clothes. That's what I, I started out as, right? I was just showing off my shoes and, and, and my my clothes and my suits and stuff, right? And then the pandemic, you know, and after, you know, after, you know, and I, I would go to business conferences, I'll post that stuff, and then I would start talking about business, man. I got a bunch of followers, right? And, you know, and then I sold that company a few years ago. They ended up on the shade room, right? Because it was one of the biggest sales for uh for minority at that time, right? For that type of company. So I ended up on the shade room, got 8,000 followers overnight. Then I started talking, you know, start moving, you know, talking about business, talking about stocks, talking about, and it just built up and built up over the, last, in the next two years. And now here we are today, 100,000. So that's pretty cool. You know, I never thought I'd get this far. You know, I, didn't, I had no, you know, I never would have thought that, you know, I would get this far. And I appreciate you guys for that. But uh, and like I said, I, I've talked about crypto over the years. I've talked about Bitcoin, talked about, Stocks, bonds, and, and business, right? And just general stuff also. But I want to talk a little bit about the Chestnut Checkers room because the Friday was a big day for everybody in Chestnut Checkers. We all made money in that class on Friday. And people that are in that, that, that Chestnut Checkers room can attest to that in this chat. We all made money on Friday. Almost everybody made money on options on Friday. And the way we done we did that in that room is that we share information with each other. We make sure each other knows about the certain uh, options that we all analyze these, uh, these, these opportunities together. Now, when you got group dynamics working for you, you got group work working for you. You got people that think alike because all these people have taken my classes, right? So we all think alike. We all understand the strategies. We all understand options. We all understand stocks. And we've all been taught in the same way. We all have the same thinking. So we can help each other out. We can help each other grow. We can make sure we all make the right decisions. That's what that class is about. I mean, I'm sorry, that, that, that room is about. That's the Chestnut Checkers community. We all do very well on that. We all make money in that. We don't, we, it's like we don't leave a soldier behind, right? We don't leave a soldier behind. We all make money. It's like 200 people in that room. We got about 30 people who are highly engaged. Sorry, I got a, I'm getting allergies now. During this time of year, I get allergies. So I apologize, but it's a it's a great room, and that that's part of the mentorship program. So if you guys are in the mentorship program, that's a month. You know, you 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 get that at no charge. But let's talk a little bit about about some stocks that are coming up, right? Apple just I think Apple just had a, announced that they were going to ship so many millions of of new iPhones, right? So we got to play on Monday. Yeah, a lot of people made money on Peloton. Somebody alerted everybody about Peloton. And we all made money on Peloton on Friday. That was the stock that we all made money on Friday. We, everybody in that class made a lot of money, right? It's, it's, it's you know, that, that, that's, it's a great community, man. And I, and I really 
love you guys for being in there, right? I, you know, I really care about that group of people. But let's talk about what we can do on Monday when it comes to Apple, right? Because Apple announced, I believe on Friday after the bell, that they were going to ship so many iPhones, and it was a record number, right? So nine times out of 10, Apple is going to grow on Monday. So what can we do, right? So we got options. We can buy the stock or we can buy the option, right? But what we can do is we go back to that old trusty momentum strategy. The strategy that most people, well, most of the people in the mentorship people, most of the people in the chestnut checkers room use to make money with simple dynamics, right? The momentum strategy ensures that we can make money as stocks already go up, right? We don't predict if a stock's gonna go up. We see it already going up. And it's, it's very similar to, if you're walking down the street, do, 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 walking down the street, you look to the left, a car is about to hit somebody. Now, we all know, we, we a lot of times before a car hits somebody, we hear that, and then we, we clench our teeth because we know it's, we're about to hear next, boom, right? Boom. We always, we wait for the boom. And the way we, how do we know that? How do we know that the boom is coming next? How do we know that the collision is coming next? Well, it's pretty simple. It's momentum. Momentum. The car can't change direction. The car is going too fast. The car is already headed towards the, uh, the, the, the collision. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. And we use that same type of concept, that same type of thinking when it comes to stocks. We find stocks that are going up. They have high volume. They're going straight up, right? So we know that in the same way we know that that car can't change direction, the stock can't change direction. It's too much momentum behind it. Well, let's make a little money on that, right? So we don't need much because we're doing options. We may need a half a percent, one percent. We use options to, to increase that leverage. And we make a lot of money on that strategy. That's one of my most popular strategies that a lot of people use to make a lot of money, right? <clears throat> it's pretty simple. I'm going to do a class on Thursday on it too, because a lot of people keep asking me to redo that class. So if you want to get in that class, message me. I'll put up a post probably tonight or tomorrow about the momentum strategy. But that strategy ensures that we're able to pick stocks as they're already going up. I strongly believe that Amazon will do a split. And people, we, we know that Jeff Bezos said before, he's not going to do a split. He, he's not believe, he don't believe in it. But you got to remember, companies are, are governed. They're controlled by the shareholders. And that's why shareholders have so much power, because collectively, they have a lot of power in the company because they're, they're the, they own the company, right? They own a large share of the company. So if shareholders will demand that Amazon splits, They'll demand that Amazon does a split. Because imagine, imagine I'm an Amazon shareholder. Amazon, okay, so Amazon split, right? So Jeff Bezos said, I don't believe in splits. I'm not going to do it, right? But you got to remember the shareholders have sat back. The shareholders have watched Apple. They've watched Tesla. They watch how much those stocks rose after the split. The shareholders are going to get antsy. They're going to get angry. They're going to know that all Amazon has to do is split these stocks and they're going to increase their shares. So why wouldn't they get mad? Why wouldn't they demand the split? Why wouldn't they say, look, you're going to do a split now? They're already putting pressure on them right now because we know what a split does. Let's, let's talk a little bit about splits because some people don't understand what they are and why they're so important. Now, a company gets to a point, right? So let's say Tesla. Let's go back and talk about Tesla. 
Tesla rose to 24, 2500, right? So big numbers scare small investors. And it, they shouldn't, but it does, right? So people see that's $2,500 and they say, God dang it, man, I don't want to pay for that. That's a lot of money. I don't want to put all my money into the stock. So what happens is as the stock rises, less and less people can get involved. And there's another issue. It's called liquidity, right? So what is liquidity, right? Liquidity exists in all things, all assets, right? So when you have an asset such as a stock, liquidity simply means the ease at which you can change that asset to a dollar, right? So let's say something that has low liquidity, a Jordan basketball card, right? So if I have a Jordan basketball card and I need to sell it, it's going to take me a while. I can't sell it today. I can't sell it tomorrow. I got to find the right collector. It's going to take me a week, maybe a month to sell it. A Jordan a rookie card has a low, low liquidity, right? So I can't buy a refrigerator with a Jordan rookie card. It's impossible, right? So I got to find an intermediary, get the cash, and buy the refrigerator. But and that's what liquidity is, the ease at which to change the asset into dollars, right? So that's important when it comes to stocks because... People need to get in and out of their stocks to sell it, buy it, sell it back again, right? So it, it's the volume and all that stuff that goes in with it. So as a price of an asset rises, the liquidity drops because people don't have the $2,500 to buy and sell the stock. There's less and less people as the stock goes up. So companies do what's called a split to increase the liquidity. More people buying and selling the stock. For example, if I got a $2,500 Tesla stock, I got to find somebody with $2,500 to buy it. So it's not going to be as many people. But if they split it into five, now all they got to do is five people to pay for the, you know, $100 or whatever. There's more people, there's more volume. So it increases the liquidity of a stock. So two things, increases the liquidity, brings in new investors, brings in new people that want to get into this stock that wouldn't buy it at 25, but they'll buy it at 100 $200. So it actually, in most cases, it increases the share price, right? When we saw that with Tesla, we saw what happened. And now Amazon stockholders are going to be like, come on, man, you got to do something, man. You can't just have these stocks out there and, for, and not split. They're going to put, they're going to pre keep pushing the pressure up. They're going to pressure, 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 pressure. And to finally, Amazon's going to have to relent and do a split. Now, I can't tell you when. It may be next month. It may be next year. It may be a year and a half from now. I'm saying within a year, but it may be a year and a half from now. But I strongly, strongly believe Amazon's going to do a split. And like I said, I talked about Amazon when it was 1800 I told people to buy Amazon. People said I was crazy. That was right when the corona crisis hit. And I picked three stocks. Uh, I said Zoom, Amazon, and Walmart was one. And I, 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 my rationale there was that the corona crisis was going to cause Amazon to do a lot of shipments. Corona crisis was going to cause Zoom to blow up because that name, the brand name was associated closely to video uh, conferencing, right? We got other conferencing solutions out there, but it's not as, the brand name isn't powerful enough. People associated Zoom with, you know, video uh, conferencing. So that was, they did very well. I said Walmart. Those three companies that went up a lot. Zoom went up four times. Well, I also talked about, I talked about Zoom, and I talked about Amazon, right? People said I was crazy when I said all them stocks. People were actually calling me an idiot because I picked Zoom. Zoom was $120 at the time. It was actually going through a bunch of legal problems because people were hacking into the system. Now, I know about technology. I've been doing it for a long time. I knew that they were going to fix that. People were, you can look at it, man. Look at, I, I said Zoom about March. 
And there's a whole list of people calling me an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. Zoom's done. It's going to zero. And I was like, come on, man. It's not going to. Now it's at 400 and something dollars. It's four times where, three and a half times where it was, right? Now people are calling me smart. How did you know? My next door neighbor came over and said, man, how did you know about that, man? How did you know? And I said, simple. Because I know technology, right? But Amazon also said it was going to be a big one because of the way that they deliver. People, like I said, people's associating the mind and their mind was Amazon, right? These when, when the Corona crisis hit, people were going to retreat back to brands they knew and understood. It's a, it's a scary, scary time. So they retreat back to people, people, people they know, brands they know. They retreat back to that. And that's what happened with the Corona crisis, right? But looking forward, right? We got some stocks that could possibly do well. Now, we really don't know who's going to win this election, right? So that's a scary thing. And you really can't make a lot of trade. Any trade you make is going to be a risk. Now, the, the, the polls say Biden's going to win. He could win. But we know what happened the last time in the polls. So I don't even trust the polls. I don't know who's going to win. So I'm afraid to buy particular stocks based on who's going to win, right? Because if I were a betting man and I thought Biden was going to win, I would invest in marijuana stocks. Because we know... Kamala Harris, we know that Biden, you know, people say Kamala Harris is probably going to be running the country anyway. She has, she's very, very soft on marijuana. So she, not soft, but I say lenient. That's a better word. I don't want to uh, be biased here. Just lenient, right? So he's, he's going to be, we're going to be lenient on that. We want to talk about just lenient, lenient. She's going to be lenient on marijuana. So those stocks are going to shoot through the roof. Almost anything associated with marijuana is going to go up if they, if they win the election. Now, the problem there is that we don't know if they're going to win. So you can, if, once they win, it's going to be too late. So you can, you can if you really want to, and, and you got to remember, if, if Trump wins, they're going to go down. <laughs> so that's something we can do here. There's a particular strategy that we can make money, right? Now, I'm thinking about doing that. Because I'm thinking, and I'm actually going to write an article about it, because I think it's going to be a good one. Now, if we see a stock, we see an asset, we don't know which way it's going to go. But we figure it's going to be hard in any direction. Now, that's that, these are perfect opportunities of what's called a straddle. A straddle is when you buy a put and a call on the same stock, right? But why would you do that? Why would you do a put and a call? On the same one. Now, for those who don't know what, what they are, a call is an option to buy a stock at a certain price. A put is an option to sell a stock at a certain price. So now, why would you buy and sell the same stock? What's the point in that? Well, whenever we predict high volatility in an option, we can use this strategy to make money either way. Right, because if we think a stock's going to be volatile, which some of the stocks will be after the election, the next day it's going to be a lot of volatility. And why would the volatility come from? Because nobody really knows what's going to happen. Nobody really understands. And you, you, and, and nobody here can tell me with certainty they trust the polls because we know what happened last time. And you could say Russian, Russia, he, he, he actually got with Russians. He did a lot of stuff, but it doesn't matter because the polls said one thing and Trump walked out with the election. It don't matter why he did it from the stock side, from the, from the stock's point of view. It shows us that they can't trust the polls. The polls can't predict a certain thing's going to happen. For whatever reason it was, it can't predict it, right? So in that situation, that means that there's going to be volatility after the election. Well, when there's high volatility, we can do a straddle, buy a put, 
buy a call on the same stocks, especially marijuana stocks, because a mar the marijuana stocks, I'm going to look some up and I'll talk about it later this week and talk about ones that I'm probably going to put it into. That's the strategy I'm probably going to do, right? I'm, I still haven't researched which ones. I still haven't researched the entire strategy, but I'll let you guys know the whole strategy. Mentorship people, I'll talk about that in the Chestnut Checkers community, but I'll also talk about it on live because I want to make sure everybody has access to this particular strategy if they choose to do it. But with this strategy is that there's going to be volatility, right? So with volatility, we got to put in a call on the same stock. Now, we're going to lose almost all of one of those, right? We may lose the, all the money on the put. We may lose all the money on the call. Now, why would you do that? Because you're going to make so much money on one that the other losing the money on the other don't matter. For example, I got two puts out. I got $1,000 in either one, right? So I'm looking at a three, 400% return on, on either one. So I got $1,000 in the put. I got $1,000 in the call. Now, if there's volatility in either direction, I'm going to make four times my money. So I got $1,000 in the call. The stock goes up. So now I made four times my money. I got $4,000. I'll lose the whole 100 in the, in the put. It don't matter. Opposite way, if the put goes up, I get four times money in the put. I'll lose the money on the call. Let that go. I still made 400%, or 200%, uh, 100% because 2,000 times four, I still double my money regardless. Try to reserve as much as I can get off the opposite call that didn't hit. And, and you know, I'll make 200% return on my money, right? By predicting volatility. Now, I don't have to predict which way it's going to go. I just predict volatility. So apartment rents, right? And, and, and I put up a, a link earlier today, and there's several articles and analysis that are out, come out this week. That talk, it talks about how the United States is going to become a renter nation, right? And this is scary. And I'm going to talk a little bit about economics, talk like, a little bit about history to show you where we're going, to show you how the society is not as good as people think, right? Because... If you go back to the 15 or 14, 1300s, right? There was a, and let's, let's think about society back then. Let's think about society. We had feudal lords, right? Who owned the land. We had people living on the land, didn't own the land, but they lived on it. They paid rent or they worked the land, right? So the rich owned the land. They got profits off the land through land, being a landlord or letting the people work the land. But the, 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 the peasants didn't own any land. Then you got the middle class who were, who who were, uh, were labor. You know, they were laborers, but they owned their own businesses, right? Now let's think about today's society, right? Entrepreneurship is getting pushed a lot, which is great, but we got to think about it. Let's go back to 1300. Now, in those days, the middle class was all entrepreneurs. But they weren't an entrepreneurs in the type we we think, right? They were they were blacksmiths, farmers. A farmer is technically an entrepreneur. A shoe horseman, the shoes horses is technically an entrepreneur. Somebody who collects eggs and sells them on the street is technically an entrepreneur. A person who scoops up manure and sells it to farms is technically an entrepreneur. These are one man shops. Uh, the gig economy is what they call it now, is that's what we're turning into. Uber driver, a nation of Uber drivers, 1099 contractors, and one-man businesses. That's dangerous. That's not a good thing, right? So we're, we're turning into a country in which the rich owns the land. 
We're turning into a renter nation, which means most people by, I think, 2025 will be renting. They won't own the land. The rich people will own it. The corporations will own the land and we'll just live on it. And that's what's scary, right? Is that's what could be happening right now. That's what could be happening. And it's scary, right? Is that we could be going back to those times in which the rich own the land, the middle class lives off their skills, the poor class has to work on the land or in rent for their, their entire lives. So this is not, and they present it to us like it's cool. You know, Uber drivers, you got to remember Uber drivers don't make as much as they think. And it's, it's, and a lot of people, we get confused with that. Like, so let's say you make $40,000 as an Uber driver. You're excited, you're happy because you say, hey, man, I made 40 working. So I'm basically making what I made. People say this all the time, I made what I made at my job. Uh, no, you don't. You, you got to understand what this is doing, man, is that you may make 40 at Uber. You don't have health insurance. You got to pay your Social Security on both sides. That means you got to pay 12%. You don't have all the benefits that come with a job. You know, when a, somebody, when a company pays you 40%, they're probably paying 70, 60, 70 uh, total for you to be there. And different insurances, dental insurance, health insurance, a 401k matching, all these things that a company has to do, Social Security matching, they have to do just from you being there, right? And uh, and, and, and that, that's what I'm talking about is that that just because you make 40000 with Uber, you, that's not the same thing as working, right? You got to make sixty with Uber to match what you're making. And the people don't realize that. They get happy, you know, and that's what's happening. And society is creating a whole nation of 1099 contractors. It's, it's actually a smart business move, but it's bad for the country. Now, you all you got to do is you get it, you know, you got a contractor. You don't have to do pay his taxes. You don't have to do nothing to him. He's not an employee. You don't even have to treat him right. Right? You're, you're, you're not bound by the laws because this dude technically is an entrepreneur. You're not bound by any laws. You're not bound by anything. Right? You can treat the dude like guard. You can cut him off at any time. And he, you don't have to pay his health insurance or nothing. You know, and the dude, in most cases, these Uber drivers are happy. These, these gig economy people are happy. They think that they that, that they everything's okay, but it's not. It's not. More and more people are going into this. The government is pushing it, corporations to get bigger and bigger. And uh, and and the rent, the rent's going up. People are renting more. So what's going to happen too is the rent's going to go skyrocket. That's the scary thing too is that people are going to be paying 30, 40 percent of their income in rent pretty soon. Now, what can we do to stop this? What can we do? There's two things we can do, right? And I always say this about a lot of social issues, social so, social issues, is that there's two things we can do. We can fight to stop this from happening. We can go in the street. You can protest, do all that stuff. And I applaud those people who do that because that's a great thing. When you dedicate your life to, to stopping these things, you dedicate your life for social justice, whether it's, it's, it's racial income uh, disparity or anything else, you risk, you waste, you know, you risk and you give your life for that. And that's, that's a very, very honorable thing. But there's a second way, right, is that we can protect ourselves, right? We respect these people. We donate to these people. We make sure these people are taken care of. But we can also... We we have to protect ourselves, right? If you're not gonna go out there and fight, you gotta make sure you're you know you're taken care of so you can contribute to these causes. Where we do that is that we have home ownership, we have land ownership, we make sure we're not the ones who are being going into this renter nation. We make sure we're not the ones that are gonna be caught up in this position where we're paying 30, 40% of our money to rent. We make sure. That we take care of our family with that generation, the generational wealth type thinking, right? We got 
Generational wealth. And I, told, I talked about this before. The chestnut checkers mentality. That's what we push in the mentorship program. That's what we push in the chestnut checkers community, right? The chestnut checkers mentality. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means that you have to think 5, 10, 15 moves ahead. My brother was a chess champion, right? He was always better than me. And it was simple. One reason. He wasn't smarter. He didn't have better moves than me. He didn't understand the game any better than I did. But he thought five, six moves past what I thought. I couldn't think, I could think 10 moves ahead. He could think 15, 20. So regardless, it don't matter how good I was. It don't matter what strategies I looked up. He could see farther in the future than me. So he would beat me every time. And that's what we have to do in with the chestnut checkers uh, mentality. You have to make sure you think five, 10, 15 moves ahead. You got to make sure that your moves extend past even your lifetime because we're creating generational wealth. We're making sure our kids are taken care of. We're making sure they're on the right path. We're making sure in most cases that our kids' kids are taken care of. We make sure everybody, that's the ultimate chestnut checkers mentality is that you have to have moves that extend past your own lifetime. Way out there. You know, you got to be, you'll be dead. Your moves will still be coming back out to play, right? So you, you, all your moves won't be over. You'll be dead and gone. And your moves are still hitting. Boom, boom, boom. And that's the ultimate chestnut checkers mentality. That's what we try to teach in the mentorship program. So last thing I'm going to talk about is, is, is I put up a post about a month ago. And people still give me flack for that, which is weird. I like chess a lot. Played chess all through high school, all through college. I love chess. And I played it on the highest levels, right? And I'm not talking about playing with your friend. You know, I'm not talking about, you know, playing with this dude, you know, whatever. And chess is different than that, right? And a lot of people don't understand is that chess is, has a point system, right? The, the, the highest piece on the board is the king. The king, you hit the king, is over. But the second highest is the queen. The queen is worth nine points, way higher than every other piece, right? And I put up a quote that said that once you lose your queen in chess, the game's over. And a lot of people, you know, get mad about that. You know, sometimes people don't like you, you upholding women. People get angry about that, especially, I guess, a lot of dudes or whatever have problems with women or whatever, they get angry. They don't like to hear that. They get mad. I got to get a lot of, you know, I heard people mad at me because I put that up there, which, you know, I have a lot of respect for women because I was raised by a single mother. But let's talk a little bit about that concept of the queen, the queen, right? The queen position in chess. And we're going to relate that to life is that in chess, when you lose your queen, the game's over. And a lot of people are going to argue that with me. Nah, man, you can still win without your queen. Oh, man, you just don't know what you're doing. Oh, man, you can turn the pawn into queens. You can you can win with your rook and your bishop. You can win with your, you know, people call it castle. You can win with your castle, but it's really a rook. You can win with your rook and your, uh, and your knight, which people call a horse, but it's a knight. You can win regardless, but that's not true. You can do that on low-level chess. You can turn a pawn into a queen, or you can win with own. You got to remember, only on low-level chess. High-level chess, people lose their queen, which never happens. If it does happen, dude tips his king and resigns the game. And that's, that's and you can look that up. Up high-level chess, if they lose their queen, they resign. They don't continue no more because it's considered disrespectful to continue without your queen because it's so important and you're, you're wasting the other dude's time because the game's over. It's disrespectful, right? 
And nothing disrespectful. Actually, actually get checkmated, that never happens in upper, upper level chess. That's what you got to understand. When you people play chess, it's on a low level. It's on a low level. They're playing with their friends or whatever. On the high levels, nobody gets checkmated. That, if that, that, you, know why, you know why you don't get checkmated? Because if you're such a, and on those upper level chess, it's disrespectful because you didn't see the checkmate coming. That means that, means that you're so bad <laughs> that you not only got checked, but you didn't even know that you was checkmated. So you're supposed to resign before and say, yeah, I'm, it's over. I lost. That means that you're smart enough to realize the game's over, right? You don't keep going. It's a disrespectful and a waste of time. And it's, it looks like you didn't even know you was going to get checkmated. Because it comes a point in the game where it's over. It don't matter what you do. It's over. You're supposed to tip your king, shake the dude's hand, and walk off. And when people lose that queen, it's over. They don't continue. They don't try to turn the pawn. It doesn't, in real chess, you will never turn a pawn into a queen. It, it, no, people will block it every time. The queen is so important. That's a good question. In chess, the queen is so important because she's the only piece on the board that can move like she does. And that, that gives us a lot of analogies to real life. Is that queens can do moves that most people can't. Queens can protect the king in, in ways that other pieces can't. They can control more of the board than other pieces can't do. Now, the knight's also an important piece. But the queen is the most important because she can move in other places, right? So the king is the most important piece on the board besides the queen. But the queen is almost equally as important because you lose your queen, the game's over. You quit, you resign, shake the dude's hand. Lose your king, you quit, you resign, you shake the dude's hand. They're both equal. So like I said, I hope you guys have a great night. Thanks for joining. You need a link to any class, hit me up. If you have any questions, hit me up. I hope you guys have a great night.